Now, certainly there's one thing positive about social media is that when Yeshua returns, we're all going to be able to see him. This is what it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. It says, look, he is coming with the, with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. And I've always wondered how everyone is going to actually see him return. I thought, well, unless, you know, unless he kind of circled the globe as he was returning, maybe that would be it, kind of like Santa Claus or whatever, but that would be the only option. But now, bam, with social media, it's obvious what can happen. I mean, somebody's, as soon as he breaks through the clouds, people pull out their, their, their phones, you know, their, their, their iPhones or whatever, capture on a video his return, boom, it's uploaded to YouTube immediately, and the entire world would be watching him return. It's incredible. I've ever, I've, I've, I've wondered myself, honestly, that whether Yeshua would have a Facebook page. And, uh, and, and if he did, what would be his Facebook photo? I mean, think about it. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of options, right? He could be walking on the water, right? That would be a nice one. Or maybe multiplying the fish and the loaves in front of everybody. Or maybe he could be, he and Lazarus, side by side with Lazarus all wrapped up in grave clothes, kind of like this, you know, something like that. Maybe that could be it. We don't know. How about, how about Yeshua tweeting? How about Yeshua tweeting? I mean, you ever think about him as a tweeter? Well, maybe. Maybe, maybe some of the tweets could, could be like this. It'd be, ha ha, got those Pharisees again. Or, just raised up the widow's son. Or another one, a storm, a storm approaching on the Galilee. Watch this, right? So these are all options for various kinds of tweets. Now, what is social media? Social media is a form of communication. And Yeshua himself is a form of communication. John refers to him as the Word, the Logos. In other words, he was God's form of communication to man. And what better way for mankind to know God than to see him in human form? Now, I know it's, it's often shocking to our Jewish brethren to understand that. But look, if God could communicate through a bush or if he can communicate through a cloud, why not communicate through a human? It's basically the same idea. I shared this story here a number of years ago and a few times that I had a friend. He was from South Africa. And, um, and in South Africa, apparently, there were these huge anthills that would be around about. And he was walking along one day along the road, and he saw one of these anthills, these huge anthills, it was, and half of it was crushed in. And all the ants were kind of scurrying about trying to figure out what to do and what to, you know, how to try to repair this. But it was just kind of chaos. And so he stood there looking at those ants, and of course, from his perspective, because he's looking over, he could see what needed to be done. So he thought, hey, I'll just tell them. So he says, ants, ants, look, if you just do this and that, you'll be fine. Of course, they just pay, didn't pay him any attention at all. So he figured he'd just yell a little bit louder. Ants, ants, look, if you just do this and you just do that. Now nah, they just ignored him and so on. And what was the problem? The problem was that he figured, well, look, maybe they'll understand if I become an ant, and then I can go down there and communicate to them what's the matter and help them to repair the anthill, right? And so the idea is, is that once, is that God can communicate the same way because Yeshua is God's form of communication with us. Now, also Yeshua is a communicator. He used various methods to be able to get people's attention. I remember, if you, um, I remember 
years ago, when I first went to Israel, this was when we first, I first visited Israel 20, 30 years ago, whatever it was. And uh, I remember going up and uh, on the place where the Sermon on the Mount was given, at least uh, historically, known as the Mount of Beatitudes. And remember, the story in the scriptures is that there were thousands of people that were gathered to listen to him. And I've always wondered, how did thousands of people hear him? I mean, there were no mics, there was no audio system, so how could it possibly be? So I was with this other friend, and I got up on top of the mountain, and my friend went down to the mountain. Now, the Mount of Beatitudes has all these stones on it all along the mountain. And so I just read the Sermon on the Mount right from the top of the mountain, and you know what? He could hear every word. It's because what happened is the sound waves bounced off the rocks and leaped out towards him and then also bounced off the Sea of Galilee behind it. And so people could get it. So in other words, these were this, so he knew how to communicate with people. He also utilized various forms of communication. Of course, the best known form that Yeshua used were parables, which were basically stories to be able to make his points. Now, we know that almost every good speaker should also include stories in their, in their sp speeches or their messages because people can identify with that. In fact, uh, the, America's greatest president was a great storyteller, Abraham Lincoln, and so we understand that. He also used popular methods that were common communication forms at the time so that people could relate to him. He used this method known as the lesser to the greater. So, for example, it was, he, he said... One of his speeches said, It was written that you shall not murder, but I say unto you that even one who is angry with his brother shall be subject to the judgment. The idea here was that he was laying out an argument for the lesser standard to the higher standard. In other words, the lesser standard being murder, the higher standard being anger. And, so, and this was a form of argumentation that was often used in the first century in those circles. He also... A very common phrase that he used, if we remember the scriptures, he says, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And this was, he was utilizing a popular pharisaical form of argumentation where they would claim the authority to make, be able to make decisions for the rest of the community. The point is, is that Yeshua used common forms of communication to illustrate his points. Now, Paul did the, the very same thing. If we remember, the Scripture says that at one point he was in Athens, and uh, he was among all the idols that were in Athens, and he came along to this idol that was dedicated to the unknown God. And, uh, and so he began to speak about it, and then he uses this one phrase. He quotes this one phrase. It says, For in him we live and move and have our being. And what is that? He's quoting from a Greek poet who's by the name of Eratus about the god Zeus. And so he's using that about the Lord God. What he was doing was he was making a connection with his audience, something that his people were, were familiar with so that he could make his point. He used what is common to highlight his message. So I return to this question. Is would Yeshua have used social media? And I believe he would have. I believe he absolutely would have. To effectively communicate his message to as many people as possible. Now, what was Yeshua's message? The message is clear. The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, that God is breaking into this world in the most dramatic way possible. A human became an ant to repair an anthill, and God became a human to repair the human race. That's the idea behind it. The sick were healed. The bound were set free. 
Even the dead were raised. Yeshua taught, and he taught, and he taught. And what did he teach? He taught God's ways, which were higher standards than what people were used to. The standards were, seemed almost unattainable. It, but, but there was something about Yeshua that made them seem possible. He was popular with the masses. He challenged authority, especially religious authority. He exposed hypocrisy. He gave hope to the hopeless. He, he, he modeled a life that others sought to emulate. Everything about Yeshua was a message. His existence, his lifestyle, his teaching, his confrontation with religious authorities, he showcased a better way. He was the truth, justice, and the Israelite way. You see, that's who Yeshua was. Now, how about this for a tweet? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me. How about that? How many people would be intrigued by that kind of a tweet, right? How many would suddenly be following his pithy remarks? Or how about this tweet? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's interesting that so many of Yeshua's remarks and so much of his life was dedicated to the truth. Did you know that, that this phrase, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free, is emblazoned on the walls of the CIA. Do you know that? Isn't that interesting? See, there's something that's so fundamental about the truth. Basic justice is premised upon the truth. Can you imagine in a criminal case, someone is accused of a serious crime. And what is the primary role of the judge or the jury, as the case may be? Their, their role is to determine the truth. In other words, what happened? And if the fact determiners come to a conclusion that is based on falsehood or fraud or half-truths, then whatever punishment is exacted upon this, that person is unjust. See, the two primary characteristics of God's kingdom is love or mercy and justice. Those are the two primary characteristics of the kingdom of God. But justice is impossible without the truth. In fact, one of the Messiah's main missions is to enact justice throughout the earth. This is what it says in Isaiah chapter 2. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they chain, train for war anymore. Do you realize that part of that Verses on the Supreme Court, on the walls of the Supreme Court today. Justice is what leads to peace, but justice is dependent upon the truth. As followers of Yeshua, we must be dedicated to the truth, finding the truth, hearing the truth, and sharing the truth. And this is where we come to the problems of social media. You see, social media has enabled us to connect to the entire world. It's amazing. I remember when I first met Stacy in the early 1970s, her father was an avid ham radio operator. Who remembers ham radios? Raise your hand. A number of you. Ham, for those that are not familiar, ham radios was a, a form of communication where you could actually communicate into other countries 
radio signals would be shot out and bounce off the ionosphere and then go down to another location. But only a few people could ever take advantage of that. And uh, that's the way it was. Now we can communicate with almost anyone, anywhere, anytime, right? Plus, it's also given us access to an amazing amount of information. And in the past, information was reserved to the scholars, those who would pass along through papers their ideas. To do research, you had to go to libraries. You had to look for books and read and, and then search the material. Today, you can Google a few words and have at your fingertips almost the latest amount of information and research. It's amazing. But there's a dark side to social media. It's, I want to read a portion of a speech that was recently given by Reuben Rivlin, who is the president of Israel. He just Two weeks ago, he gave this speech to uh, a bunch of leaders in the country. And uh, let me pull this out. This is what he has to say. It is true that Facebook, that the Facebook and Twitter revolutions have given a voice to the muted masses. No more government newspapers which set the agenda. However, the enormous democratization of public discourse and social media has also created new types of demagoguery. If everyone is a journalist on his own accord, then the most respected newspaper is not preferable to the very last talkback writer. We wanted to hear everyone, and we got the post-truth era, what is called fake news. We wanted to give a platform, but we hurt solidarity. We wanted democracy, but we weakened it. When parties use social media mainly to humiliate, bash, and ridicule, instead of developing contact with the public, what kind of democratic dream is it? I have said this in the past, and I will repeat this today. Non-institutional democracy, a direct, a direct democracy in which the will of the people at any moment overrides any other consideration is just a step away from anarchy. Anyone who has ever encountered a crowd knows how that a small event can quickly turn into a lynching and a pogrom, literally. That was the president of Israel. The dark side of social media is the propagation of fake news. This is news that has not been properly vetted, not subject to intense and objective investigation. Fake news is all over the Internet, and it's passed on through social media. It's uh, now, now through so-called experts on everything. It's extraordinarily dangerous, and it undermines the truth. And you know who some of the, the guiltiest parties are of fake news? It's followers of Yeshua. They, it seems like the followers of Yeshua are gullible for the latest conspiracy theory to be able to pass on to others. It's a travesty. It's undermining the integrity of the kingdom of God. When I worked on Capitol Hill in the 1980s, I was working at the time when President Reagan was president, and um, we were working on what was known as a reconciliation bill, which was to cut the federal budget. It was an extremely complex piece of legislation, and, um, this, and this, was, this was before social media, but I remember uh, in the evening, after a full day, we were still there working, and we, we, we tuned in to the TV, uh, to the TV news, basically. And, uh, and the TV news re suddenly started reporting on what we were doing. And I was watching it, and I thought, well, that's not what we were doing, and that's not even what the issues are. It was the strangest thing. 
And it was, it was not as if, it was not as if the people were trying to mislead us, but I suddenly realized that you can't capture within a, a 15 to 30 second soundbite or 144 letters these complex matters. It's impossible to be able to do it. When I worked on Capitol Hill, I became friends with reporters from the Washington Post, the Washington Times, National Journal, U.S. News and World Report, and so on. And I had good relationships with many of them. They play the press. The, pr the press play a critical role in society. Sometimes they're frustrating. You know, I was frustrated to work with them because sometimes they say things that we don't want them to say. Or sometimes they misconstrue certain things. But if you have a relationship with them, a good re you can often correct those things. Today, independent, highly researched investigative reporting and writing has now been overtaken by highly biased talk radio, so-called internet and conspiracy experts in social media. And it was best seen through the Russian disinformation campaign in the last election. Uh, and, and because the Russians are experts in disinformation from the Soviet Union era. That's nothing new, except they now tapped into the election campaign. The reason I'm talking about this is let's see what the scripture says about speech and communication, because it has stuff to say. Matthew chapter 12, this is what it says. Yeshua, but I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. I want you to think about this. Judge for every careless word that you've spoken. Or how about every careless word that you've shared on social media? Ouch. Right? Or how about this from Colossians chapter 4? Let your conversation be, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Think about what's said on social media to others, especially on political topics. Again, things that I read and hear from other believers is shocking. It's shocking. And how do you comport this with the scriptures? Look, I believe for us to be able to be effective witnesses in this world, we do have to know what's going on. But how can we know? You know, what is, how can we know? The best source, honestly, is print media, which has been well-researched and vetted articles. The worst sources are talk radio, which is not news, but it's entertainment and it's highly biased, and blogs, unless they've been vetted by others, and, uh, and, and most stuff on the Internet, which has not been vetted. Facebook is not news, so before passing stuff on, you should check it out with reliable sources. I read columnists, respected columnists every day, both from the moderately liberal to the moderately conservative to be able to get a balance. And then, most of all, we need to be prayerful about what's being said and what's going on. Again, I believe Yeshua would have used social media, but you know what? He'd be saying the same things that today that he was saying 2,000 years ago. Social media can be a great deal. But we must be careful to speak and to share as Yeshua would. Never to attack people's character. Never to pass on conspiracy theories or negative, you know, like crazy negative news or support perpetrators of fake news because you're undermining the truth and you're damaging the kingdom of God 
and its credibility in the world. There's a really interesting acronym that is now in vogue that I want to encourage you to consider, and it's the acronym THINK, T-H-I-N-K, THINK. T for true. In other words, this is, this is how we should speak or what we should say on social media or anything. T is for true. H is for helpful. I is for inspiring. N is for necessary. K is for kind. In other words, that what we say and share is truthful, is helpful, is inspiring, is necessary, and it's kind. See, that's the words of Yeshua. That's who we're to be in this world, salt and light, saying things that uplift and build up, things that encourage, not things that are destructive and crazy and undermine the credibility of the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Lord, I know it's a strong word here today, but uh, Lord, I thank you for the truth of your word and, and who you are, O oh God. And Father, we pray that your truth, Lord, will prevail over all things, Lord God. Father, we honor you, Lord. Help us to be purveyors of the truth, searchers of the truth, and to be able to speak like Yeshua spoke, Lord God. Help us to use social media effectively, Lord, to be uh, on the side of truth in all that we do. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Now, before I close, I'm not closing yet. I'm not closing yet. Could be, I'm going to go over there. Oh. So I'm going over here because, <laughs> to lighten up the load a little bit, but, um, you know, this is, today is Balaam. And so, uh, you know, historically, oh, I'm going to put the mic back over here. Let me move over to the other mic. Now, historically, for Balaam, I would always do a little rap. And so today, we're going to do a little thing about Balaam and his, his social media capabilities. It's called Balaam's Last Twitter. No, not yet, not yet. You're going, you're going too fast. You're going a little too fast. You haven't gotten it properly done here, done up. Balaam's Last Twitter. Isn't that amazing? We've heard about Balaam from uh, Mary's talk. And uh, notice it's New York Yankees. And uh, so today, it is Balaam's last Twitter. Okay, now we're all ready. With the music. You've got to bob your heads, right? A long time ago, there was a man named Balaam. He was quite famous from his presence in the media. He bragged on Twitter, he was everywhere on Facebook. Everyone feared him though, he was a pro. Hail to Balaam or hail to God. You can't do both, only one can you not. He claimed to have powers that could manipulate the gods. Kings would hire him to cast their lots with this dude who turned enemies into knots. His one last job would lead to his death when he decided to challenge the God who gives breath. The king of Moab had him curse Israel. Balaam eventually agreed that led to his failure. Hail to Balaam or hail to God. You can't do both, only one can you not. He resisted God, so a donkey posted a photo with Balaam talking to him with the following motto. Don't you know that animals don't talk? It's like your odds of winning the lottery. 
In the end, Balaam thought he had won. He tweeted his victory, it was his day in the sun. But God posted a story showing Balaam was dreaming. The reality was Balaam's end was streaming on the worldwide web, revealing the meaning. Hail to Balaam or hail to God. You can't do both, only one can you not. There's nothing wrong with social media. It can be used for good, but also for bad. The key issue is, are you with him from above? Or will you succumb and cause a hubbub? So long, Balaam and those who curse God, but we need to be careful and try not to plod along a similar path that will bring God's wrath. We watch what we say and watch what we tweet and to make sure that what we communicate is neat and sweet. Hail to Balaam or hail to God. You can't do both, only one can you not. Hail to Balaam or hail to God. You can't do both, only one can you not. And there you have it. All right.